Cat Disgusted is a show about veterinary nursing. It is not a show about how to cure your sick pet. If your animal is sick, take it to the vet. Don't be a crazy person and use a podcast to cure your puking cat, dog, chinchilla, etc., etc. I think they would tell you the same thing. If they could. Which they can't. Which makes it hard. You know what's up. Take them to the vet. the need to like set a slightly different tone for this episode of this podcast. Um, As some of you have seen, I'm sure most of you that are listening to this have seen uh, on Facebook, I I posted that we had to euthanize our two older kitties uh, very recently and in very close proximity of each other. So I, I felt, I feel like I had to, you know, I feel like I have to talk about it I think it's not going to be very easy (laughs) considering how long it's taken me to do a podcast between the last one and then those events and this one. Um, My plan is I think I'm really not going to do much editing here. So you're going to have to suffer through this with me. Um, But I, I, you know, I kind of need to like, I I think I need to address it. You know what I mean? Because it's like, it's a pretty major life event. And I feel like I have to acknowledge like how difficult it is to be the one who has to do this with your pets. And I do it like all the time, right? Because of the job that I do, I feel like I'm talking about euthanasia with clients, I mean, on a daily basis. And it's so different. (laughs) Well, uh, there's things that are different about it. There are things that are the same about it. Um, When you're on the other end of, of having to do that with your own guys. So, the recap of events. Um, Jasper had, which is the cat. My, I call, I called him my my cat by marriage. Um, he he and Todd were both eighteen, nineteen years old, like almost nineteen years old. So they had lived long, wonderful lives. Uh, Jasper had been. He, he had a myriad of health problems that we'll go over, but he'd been suffering from you know some chronic kidney disease for a while. Uh, and he declined fairly quickly over a period of, you know, I'd say maybe four or five days. And then um, seven days later, Todd declined very quickly, you know, over, uh, he actually had a more like kind of probably a slower burn than we thought, but Jasper was always the sicker cat. So, you know, it was like, oh, Todd's fine. But, you know, he too was losing some weight and stuff. So, uh, but yeah, he like literally seven days later, Almost to the hour um, after euthanizing after euthanizing Jasper, we euthanized Todd, and it was a. I mean, it wasn't. They were not difficult decisions to make, you know, with both of those guys. I feel like it was it was their time, and I tell that to clients all the time. And I was so thankful that that was true to me, you know, like, I feel like I tell clients all the time, like, well, I don't know when it's time. I don't know if I'm going to know how they're going to tell me about. And I always think, you know, you'll know, like, you'll know, 
they'll, they will let you know and it will be right at that moment. And I have to say, I, I kind of like lived that twice, (laughs) you know, within a short period of time. And I feel like, you know, thank God that what I've been telling people, you know, is, was, well, I, what I feel to be very true. Um, so I have to say a huge thank you to my old hospital. You guys know who you are. You know, we, they're in much closer proximity than the hospital that I'm at now. And the boys didn't have a real, you know, they, didn't, they wouldn't have wanted to be in the car for very long. So I was able to take them to my local emergency hospital where I had worked for many years. And there was still staff that was there that I knew, which was incredibly helpful because we've been, we were, and we kind of are intermittently, you know, fairly fairly messy about, 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 um, about the death of those cats. So, you know, I had never had to euthanize one of my own animals before. It was weird. Like the dog that I had growing up, she had died on her own. And although it was no less sad, I mean, that was tragic too. I'd never had the wind up of knowing you had a sick animal and like, you know, anticipating that that's what I found. I found that, um, the anticipation of knowing that it was going to have to happen was by far the, the worst thing. Cause I kind of feel like once, once it's time, it's time, then it's like, no, we're going to like, you know, you know, like I know, I know what the injection is. I know how it's going to work. I know how it's going to look, you know, like all of that is like, that's like a, it's fucked up to say it's comfortable, but it kind of is like, I feel like, you know, like the procedure itself is fine. It's the wind up to it that I hated. You know what I mean? Like I had to think about it all the time. Like, you know, like, oh God, when is that going to happen? It's probably going to be soon. I just tried not to think about it, you know, during Todd's last couple years, during Jasper's last couple years. I just kind of put it to the back of my mind. But I think that was the thing that I, that I hated the most was like, like it's the standing in line before the roller coaster and then the roller coaster is like actually not that bad it's like the anticipation of it was crapo so um oh this is a weird another weird thing is that you know when me and christine would talk about it we never talked about we somehow never talked about that we we wouldn't be in the room i always knew that i was going to be in the room um for when they when they euthanized you know, Todd or Jasper, like either one, like I always, and I always knew that I'd be there. Um, Christine didn't, that wasn't something that she wanted. And it was so funny, like in the moment to realize that we hadn't talked about that. And I was like, Oh, Oh, you're not, you don't want to be here. And she's like, no, no, I can't, I can't stay. And I was like, Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, And I, I said, I was like, I, I have to, I have to stay. I have to be here. So for, for both Todd and Jasper, well, Todd, I kind of like didn't give her a chance to escape actually. T- poor Todd. I'm not going to go into details about that at this point because I'm just going to be a blubbering mess on the microphone and get all snotty. But I mean, like, you know, t- Todd's decline was very quick, you know, and he, I think he was stressed by it. And so she didn't actually get a chance to leave the room, uh, for Todd's euthanasia, but for Jasper, absolutely. Like, you know, she was like, no, it's not that's not what I want. And so, so I stayed and, uh, and one of my good friends at my old hospital also stayed. So that was, that was really important to me. And it was so funny that we never talked about 
that really important thing. So <laughs> talk about that with your partners. I mean, it wasn't a point of contention at all. I mean, that was fine. That's just like, it's just interesting to like, I don't know, learn that about somebody that you've been with for so long. And all of a sudden it's like, whoa, that's not how it's going to be. That's so weird. I always imagined that's what it would be, but you know, it, it wasn't. Uh, but I had to be there uh, for both of them. I felt that very strongly. And I, f- I feel also strongly that this is my chance to kind of celebrate these guys on this podcast, you know, and talk about each of their lives a little bit. They both led fairly dramatic lives. And so that's what I'm going to do today. Uh, and so we'll talk about Jasper first, since he's my cat by marriage. And uh, Jasper has had a very eventful life in all of his time. Now, you've heard me talk about both these guys before. So some of Jasper's things I feel like I've touched on inevitably. Uh, but he was adopted when he was about a year old, less than a year, I think, uh, by Christine, eight, you know, 18, 19 years ago. She was living in an apartment in Berkeley, uh, and he was indoor-outdoor to begin with, which ended in some tragedy. Uh, he, he actually, so he would go in and out, and uh, one day, I think this one, this one thing that she just told, this one story she just told me about, was that there was one day when he, was, he came back home, and he was blue. And she was like, did I ever tell you the story about when Jasper was blue? I was like, what? I mean, I'm thinking immediately, like, when he was cyanotic. No, no, no. His, he was blue. Like, he had something blue on him. And her housemate at the time was like, yeah, I just washed right off. I don't know what it was. So apparently he got into something, like paint or something. But he came home and he was blue. So for Christine, she never saw that. So it's like, it's a bit of a mystery as to how that all went down and what it looked like and everything. So the mystery of Jasper's blueness will remain. Um, While he was indoor-outdoor at this Berkeley apartment, he was hit by a car. And he made it home after being hit by the car, but his head was, she said his head was like three times the size it should have been. Like it was swollen and terrible. So she actually went to the emergency veterinary hospital, which was close to her apartment, not the one that I used to be at, but another one um, in Berkeley. And they uh, they had him hospitalized there for a while, treated him for head trauma. Um, from that accident, he one of his eyes was always weird. So he had Horner syndrome. And what Horner syndrome is, is that the nerves in your eye have been damaged. And so, and around your eye have been damaged. And so it doesn't function correctly. So it kind of, the muscles kind of atrophy a little bit and you can't can't see with it. So he had this kind of sunken eye, but it wasn't like totally gone. It was just kind of like sunken and the third eyelid was kind of there, which is hilarious because Christine has a bit of an eyeball thing. Like we can't talk together about when I have eyeball things at work. Like she's like, la 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 la. Like she does not want to hear any of those stories. And here she is with this cat with one eye and the other eye is a bit of a eyeball thing. So she weathered that very well. After that, accident though he was a bit of what we call the special kitty like he had moments she used to say that you couldn't say brain damage in front of him because he'd get offended so you say angry damage day when you were around jasper but there was definitely something going on um his short-term memory was really really bad so he was very much a routine cat like he had an eating thing he didn't like to eat very much or well and that was like all I mean that's just how he was his whole life and so if you upset the routine like you fed him at a different time of day or in a different place in the house I mean he just like wouldn't eat or he'd like spin around in circles and not know what to do it was weird like he, he was so married to 
what he knew his world to be, that if you diverted from the past, then he got very confused. Um, my favorite special kitty thing was when he was introduced to Todd uh, in the old house we were in. Um, we did it like, you know, cat introduction way, like where we fed them at the same time, like, you know, on opposite sides of the door. So they associate each other's smells with good things, with food, feedings, hooray. It was slow. Like Todd stayed in the one part of the house for a little while and Jasper stayed in the other. And then like they were supervised when we opened the door so that they could see each other for the first time. Um, it was actually really easy. Those boys were really chill together. Like it, it was fine. Very rarely was there a tussle between them. Um, it did happen though. Uh, but for this particular instance that I'm thinking of, so we were sitting watching TV and, uh, Jasper was sitting next to Christine and then Todd was sitting next to me. And then Todd kind of like popped up and hopped off the couch and like went and had a snack in the food bowl or something, drank some water, whatever, left the room. And then was gone for a couple minutes, came back and as soon as he walked in the room, Jasper stood up and was like making that weird Halloween kitty noise, all like his like tail all puffed up. And we're like, what the hell is going? And Todd like looks at him and is like, what? Like, like not mad, but kind of like, oh, oh, <laughs> what was happening? And I, we think, I mean, it was weird because they'd been hanging out. This was like months after they'd been introduced. And so, and then Jasper like hopped off the couch, I went to the bathroom, had a moment and Todd left the room. So then we were alone, just the humans going, what? And uh, then Jasper came back into the room. It was fine. Todd eventually, you know, came back fine. Like it had dissipated, whatever that was. But we were wondering, like, did he forget who Todd was? Like, did he think he was another cat? Like some other, just because he left the room for a second and was like out of sight, out of mind. And then he came back in and Jasper was like, who the hell are you? <laughs> Weird. Weird. Little things like that, that made Jasper a special kitty. Uh, so the hit by car, he was probably like ooh, two or three. Um, when he was 10, he was diagnosed with what's called a thymoma. Um, and a thymoma is a medial stinal mass. So it means it's, it's a mass that's in his chest. Uh, your mediastinum is kind of everything in your throat into your chest. That's your, that whole area right there, like upper chest. Um, Jasper had a big mass there coming off of a very like old, almost vestigial gland called your thymus, uh, which you have in your mediastinum. And sometimes it goes crazy and makes a big old mass in there. Uh, so he, he actually was in for like a regular, like regular vet appointment. Like he was due for his vaccines or whatever. And, uh, he, we brought him in and, and Chris, it was both, both of us were there and Christina mentioned, Oh yeah. He's like, he's been losing a little weight lately, but he's never been a great eater, you know? And we're sitting there with his doctor and she's looking at him on the exam table and she goes, huh, has he always breathed like that? We're like, what do you, what do you mean? She's like, it just looks, he's got like a little extra effort as he's breathing. And we kind of look at him. We're like, huh? Oh yeah. That's a little weird. She's like, hmm, let's take some x-rays. So she took x-rays. Uh, and then she came back, you know, to borrow Jasper for a little bit and then put us back in the exam room and was like, so I need to go over these x-rays with you. Um, let's see here. And she like pulls up, uh, she, she like, you know, moves the mouse and the computer kind of lights up and there's this 
thoracic radiograph, this chest film that's on the computer. And she's like, oh, so there, oh, oh no, that's not his. Oh, and then she starts to kind of click around to get rid of it, to get find Jasper's. And as she's finding his file, she says out loud, she goes, oh, maybe it's not that bad for you to look at that first x-ray, even though it's not Jasper. I mean, that's what, that's what a normal chest x-ray looks like as she's like clicking around. And I'm like, uh-oh. So then she pulls up Jasper's x-ray. Jasper's x-ray is actually the cover photo on my SoundCloud page where you are listening to this podcast from. Um, the lungs that you see in that picture, so his entire like chest area where his heart and lungs should be is gray, just grayed out fluid. And then his lungs are actually pushed all the way into his like abdomen. And that's where the blackness is. Cause you know, in x-rays air is black. So you can see like his lungs are just pushed into his butt by this big old pocket of fluid, this big old mass that he has in his uh, mediastinum and all the fluid in his chest. So that day she took a lot of, she did a thoracocentesis, which is she puts a sterile needle into his chest and drains off fluid to help him breathe easier. So she did that. And she immediately said, he needs to go to, he needs to have an ultrasound and then he needs to go to a specialist. So it's exactly what happened in that order. Um, he had an ultrasound actually at that hospital uh, and they had a lot of trouble seeing exactly what was going on. Uh, but it looked, because there's so much fluid in there, but it did look like a cavitated, pocketed mass that was in there. And the solution to getting rid of that is surgery. So I should mention at this point, that me and Christine had really only been together for like five months, let's say something like that. And boy, nothing is great for a new relationship, like a critical cat surgery. So I, between me and Christine, we drove this cat back and forth to, from our house to the specialist in Walnut Creek. Like this is where he had the surgery. He had a, a total like sternotomy. Like they had to open up his chest. They had to, to excise this mass from around his esophagus, his trachea, um, his phrenic nerve was really encased in this mass. And your phrenic nerve is the one that's, that's uh, in charge of controlling your diaphragm. So they mentioned in his surgery report that that nerve was traumatized during this surgery. So part of his recovery at home was monitoring his breathing because if the nerve that controls your diaphragm doesn't work, you're not going to freaking breathe. So they were worried about that with him. His One of his lung lobes was also entirely collapsed, uh, but they were able to remove this mass uh, with this, this surgery that they did, which is amazing. So his recovery period, he sat in a dog crate in the living room for like eight weeks with like, you know, all of his hair shaved off of his little chest. Uh, and his one eye peeking out from between the bars. Uh, he had a chest tube in um, to, to, to keep negative pressure in his chest cavity. That can be standard for a, for a, a thoracotomy. Um, so I remember him having that. You also have to remember, this is all before I did any kind of veterinary medicine at all. Like way before all of that. Uh, so it was very dramatic, all of this recovery. But here's the amazing thing is recovery. He recovered. My God. Uh, he did great. This is when he was 10, he lived for almost nine more years after that. Like, that's amazing. He did have, so they did determine that his heart 
was in failure. And that happened after the surgery, like, like two weeks after the surgery, they were like, hmm, there's residual fluid in here. Oh, this fluid's not going away. Oh, he's in heart failure. So we don't really know if he was in heart failure uh, when the surgery happened or if it was due to the fact that his heart was getting squished around by that mass, we don't really know, but he was on heart meds for his entire, for the entire rest of his life. Um, so many, many, many pet sitters on our vacations, no Jasper and no pilling Jasper. And he was very good about it. He was such a, we thought it was going to be hell. Uh, but he, he actually was very good about his pills and thank you to all of Jasper's caretakers who did all of that pilling twice a day with his heart medications while he was around. Now, that brings me to Todd. How do I, how do I begin with Todd? Um, Todd was my cat for almost 19 years. Um, I got him when I was in college. Uh, he was a present from my girlfriend at the time. Um, I had always said that I wanted a little baby tabby kitten, that it'd be really cool to have a little tabby cat. Um, and the, she was driving with a couple friends uh, in Humboldt County. I went to Humboldt State University and uh, the, she was driving near Ferndale and they saw this sign like nailed to a telephone pole that said free kittens, you know, kittens for free, like kittens and like the number four free. And so they uh, followed the arrow of the cardboard sign on the telephone pole and ended up at this farmhouse in Ferndale. And uh, there's a person there who was like, oh, yeah, the cat had kittens and we're giving them away because we don't want them all. <laughs> OK, so uh, they they asked the guy they didn't see him anywhere. And they're like, oh, where where are the kittens? Let's see them. And he's like, oh, well, the, the mother kitty is uh, she's out in the field. She's teaching them how to hunt. So they're like, oh, yay. So they like go and they look in the field. And sure enough, there's like Mama Kitty. And she's got like four or five baby kittens who are all behind her. And she's teaching them how to hunt the field mice. And amongst those four or five baby kitties was a little tiny tabby kitty. So that's what I got. <laughs> Straight off the farm. Now, let this be a lesson to you all who are considering adopting little itty bitty tiny kitties. Go to a shelter. Oh, my God. Because, I mean, what we did was, you know, very country. We just like literally like she grabbed a cat out of a field and gave it to me. So he needed to be neutered. He needed to have his vaccines. He needed to be dewormed. Todd came with what I like to call many bonus features. Um, the best one being ringworm. <laughs> oh yeah. So ringworm is terrible. And it's so contagious and it gets everywhere. So what it is, it's a, so this is not uncommon for outdoor kitties. Um, ringworm is a thing. It's a horror that haunts our lives. It's a, it's a fungus is what it is. Uh, and this fungus is the same one that causes jock itch. It's the same one that causes athlete's foot. Um, ringworm is not a worm at all. Uh, it's, it's fungal spores. So not, not a worm. What it does is, is it causes these hairless red 
lesions and you'll see them on cat's paws like Todd had um, when it, and it's, it's so contagious. And so if you see it on your cat, it means you're going to get it. Now, some people don't get it for some reason. Oh, I hate those people. I get it if I even look at it wrong. So if there's any chance that there's a maybe ringworm thing in the hospital, I'm like, oh, gloves, gown, mask, whatever. I don't want it. Um, I remember uh, my girlfriend's housemate at the time when Todd was was home. She was like, oh, that's funny. He's got a little rat tail, huh? And I like look. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's like a little funny. He's got missing some hair in some places hmm, as I'm like scratching my face. Hmm, what's that thing? So I got ringworm on my face. Oh, it was on my face. Like big old weeping red awful. Had to go get some antifungal ointment for my freaking ringworm on my face. Um, and Todd had to have these lime dips. Oh my God. They're like sulfur. It's a sulfur lime dip for ringworm, this antifungal dip. And it's horrible. And he was this tiny kitten and he hated it and it smelled so bad. Oh God. That was like, the ringworm was like such a thing. So he also had worms, like tapeworms, gross. So we had to get him medicated for that. Um, he was crazy. He tortured us by being crazy. We used to have to tape our cupboards shut because he would like leap up on the counters and then jump into the cupboards and knock things over. Like I remember coming home to an entire bottle of balsamic vinegar just shattered on the floor everywhere. Um, he ate everything. We not, we couldn't leave bread or butter on the counter because he would eat a cat sized hole, cat head sized hole through the bread wrapper into the bread and then he would knock the butter dish lid off and then lick like half a stick of butter he was nuts and so I don't miss that part of kitten rearing oh he one time he I was like defrosting a steak I think is what I was doing I don't know what I was doing with a steak in college but whatever I had like an extra like (laughs) that was obviously when my my student aid check had come or whatever um He stole it out of the sink and ran under the couch with it and was eating it. And I went under, I was like, are you, and I go under the, I go to like where he's at under the couch and I look at him under there and I see him, he's holding it in his mouth like a cartoon, like, and he looks me dead in the eye and he goes, and growled at me. And I was, oh, hell no, I am your mother. So I had to go get a broomstick. I had to like chase him out from under that couch. Ooh, I was so, I was so mad. I was like, you growl, growl at me. You growl at me. Eat my steak. <sighs> Luckily, those days ended. Otherwise, <laughs> would have ended the kitten. Oh, my God. So how many times did I move with that cat? So I moved with him like eight times. Because I mean, like in college, right? It was like I was going home for the summers or Christmas or whatever. So it'd be me and Todd on the 101 for like six hours in a car. Oh, and he hated the car. He hated the radio. So like I couldn't have the radio on because if he was in the car and the radio was on, he'd be meow, 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 meow. So we had to ride in silence. He was in the car. And six hours from Arcata, California to San Anselmo is a long time to not have your music on. So um, we tried to take as few car trips as possible, but inevitably that's what we had to do. Um, he came with me to San Francisco. He came with me to Salinas where he got ringworm again. And I got it on my face again. Oh, I couldn't believe that. Special props to everybody who helped isolate and medicate him during that Salinas time period. That was a bad time. 
let's see. Oh, he was hit by a car as well when he was probably like, I want to say he's probably around the same age as Jasper, actually, like three or four. Um, that was when he was uh, at my mom's house. We were at, in San Anselmo living there. Um, like between, God, I want to say like between semesters of school and he broke his pelvis. Um, he had a slight tear in his spleen, they think, because he had a little bit of free blood in his abdomen. And the vet that I saw was very cool. He was like, so you could spend like $5,000 on this cat right now, or you could just take him home, make him comfortable, have him rest, see how he does. I'm like, oh, we gotta go with option B, I think, in this situation, since I have like, you know, a $500 credit card limit, <laughs> college student. Um, he did great. Uh, his, his The fracture in his pelvis was not like a displacing one. It was just a little hairline one. And so he did great. Like he just, you know, I built him a ramp to get on and off the bed, which he never used, but he just chilled. Like he just chilled for a couple weeks and he healed. And it was, <laughs> thank God. Um, he also was attacked by a dog when I was in San Francisco. And actually this is how I learned that I could maybe do veterinary medicine is by, by what would like the events of this. So my housemate called me, I might've told this story before. And now that I'm telling it, I feel I'll do a short version. Um, my housemate Walter had called me and said, there's something wrong with your child. Your child's outside and he's meowing and he won't come in. I don't understand what's going on. So I was working at Teatro Zanzani, the crazy dinner circus at the time. And when I got home, Todd was, he was in the house, but he was on his side and he was like, he was sore. And I looked and he had this wound on his abdomen. It was filled with dirt. And I was like, oh God, that's not good. So off I go to 24 hour emergency um, in San Francisco near where I lived. And I remember like, I was really worried, you know, I was like, man, I mean, it looked like an animal had attacked him, probably a dog. We had this crazy dog that lived next door. I was like, it's gotta be that dog. And he was indoor, outdoor. I mean, all, all the time up until, up until this point. Um, so I remember ringing the bell and I was really so tired because I've been at work all day. I think we were in tech rehearsals. So it means our days are like 18 hours long. Um, and this very cool, very calm and collected girl walked up with a stethoscope around her neck and she was like, Hey, got your kitty here. And I was like, yeah, he was probably attacked by a dog or something. He's got this wound. And she's like, yeah, let's go ahead and take a look. And so she brought me into this exam room and was just so cool. She was like, Oh, you look tired. I know this is a horrible time to come into emergency. I know it's past midnight, blah, blah, Very real. And she looked at Todd and was all, Ooh, yeah, that's a big wound. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and get the doc and we'll see what we're going to do. And she was just so... I appreciated her like efficiency, but also her calm demeanor because I was in such a state, you know, and I kind of like I was volunteering at the SFSPCA at that point and kind of like entertaining the kitties that were going up for adoption and socializing them and stuff. You like go into their little cubicle and like read the paper so they like know that humans are safe. Um, and I remember thinking like, boy, you know, I could be her. I could be that chick. Like, you know, like the one who just kind of meets you at the door at one in the morning with a thing and is like, oh, hey, let, there's a thing. Like, let's take care of it. Like, it's okay. Like, we got this. Like, your kitty's hurt. We're going to take care of it. He's going to be great. Everything's going to be fine. I'll tell you everything that's happening. You know, like just to be like a voice of reason in that situation. So that, I, I wish I knew who that was. You know, I feel like she inspired me. And like, I went back to school not long after that. And now that's what I do, you know? So, uh, God, what else about Todd? You know, he's the logo for me and my friend Beryl's uh, music project, Beryl and Nicole, creatively named. Um, the logo was created after an actual incident when he was rolling around with this tambourine that we have, and he actually got it caught around his middle. So he was walking around wearing it like a hula hoop, 
and we took pictures of it and posted it on the internet and he got all internet famous from that. Um, his cat toy art was a thing. Like he would leave his cat toys in funny places. Like he'd leave the, his little bear in our shoes or he would leave it like, uh, like on our, like on our, like when you like you're flooring off your clothes at the end of the day and your pants are just chilling on the floor, he'd leave the bear like right in the middle. Like there it is. <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, some of that's on my Facebook page too. If you want to look at Todd's cat toy art. Uh, I, I will miss him always. I think. Uh, I never really, I never really imagined, well, I did imagine life without him. And he was always very bleak. <laughs> but I think that enough time has gone by now that I, I, I think, I think it'll be okay. Like, I mean, it took me this long to talk about it, right? It's been a while since I've done this podcast. But I had a good friend at work tell me, Cause I was like, this gets better, right? Like, please tell me this gets better. Cause this is really hard. And she said, you know, it does get better. It does, but it will always be there. Like it will always be a part of who you are is that loss. And like, and that, that kind of emptiness from where that, where that guy was. And it's very true. I feel like that is, that is definitely something that I've experienced is like, it does get better. It does get better. Um, but God, I, I miss him. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, I know this this particular episode is a bit of a departure from what we normally do, but... I thought it was good for the both of us <laughs> to to be able to talk about it a little bit, and I, I feel I feel pretty good about it. Actually, I think it's all right. Um, I welcome your questions and comments. You can share with me your tragedies. I feel like I'm in a space for that type of thing right now. Um, there is a kind of a happy ending to this story, which is that uh, our little outdoor kitty, little not so feral Flynn, is now not so feral semi house cat Flynn. Yeah, that's happening. She's been sleeping on the couch lately, which, you know, she's very satisfied with. So you may be seeing a little bit more of her. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hug your kitties. Hug your doggies. They're wonderful things, aren't they?